be gone. <laughs> and now I'm there. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Oh, you're like, okay. started recording and the screen went black. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to slash possibly watching One Cross Radio, <laughs> and today we are joined by the always awesome uh, brother from another mother and pastor extraordinaire, Steve Lambert, Steve, and father. Steve, <laughs> yeah. how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's uh, It's been a while since we've seen each other, but we've been chatting for like a good half hour so since yeah we already actually asked how you're good how how you're doing so (laughs) we're lying to all you out there in podcast land like kind of like (laughs) the beginning of our conversation it's not it's not we were talking beforehand that's a christian brought that up on an episode we did of our sub series into the weeds it's just like it's so weird because we've been talking for a while and now we have to act like we're doing the introduction again yeah but it's weird to just start recording right off the bat. Like yeah. you got to ease into it. Um, so listener, you, uh, you can tell by the title of this episode, we are in our second episode of our unmade sub series, uh, where we were looking at for whatever reason, movies that didn't get beyond the pitch or got to varying levels of pre-production or some production that fell through that stopped getting made. Um, and today's episode we're looking at another superhero, uh, one of mine and Steve's favorites. I think, Steve, he is your favorite, right? My favorite, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you're like my my go-to guy for Spider-Man. Um, so I thought it would be very appropriate to look at some of the unmade movies from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, I didn't know almost anything about any of these, except for the more recent ones. Uh, <laughs> I had to look at some articles and Wikipedia pages and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, and, what I was actually saying to Hector, um, Pastor Hector Mirai from Faith and Fandom, listener, please check him out. Awesome dude. Awesome podcast. Awesome ministry. Great writer. Uh, Faith and Fandom series. And also his Things I Learned from Sucking at Ministry series. Um, so many great things. He was asking me about this because he's like, this is cool. Like, this is a cool concept. And I'm like, it's just been a lot of fun where we've been in uh, not lockdown anymore, but uh restriction been home a lot more so it's been a lot more wandering on the internet but in this case wandering to good places um (laughs) and learning about uh, learning about movies like batman for example batman had so many movies and some were famous uh like what would have been tim burton's third batman or joel schumacher's um but then even looking at like other series like star trek godzilla um, other things where you're just like, holy cow, there's some stuff here where you're like, why were they thinking of this? Yeah. But then the, ch- the challenge is also finding someone being like, huh, maybe I would be into it. What what kind of sparked it? And I think I talked about it in Batman one was well before they started filming uh, and retweaking the Snyder cut of Justice League. Uh, there was a lot of released material for what his his Justice League was going to be the two parter. And as much as I didn't dig Batman Superman, um, once you kind of get on board with like, okay, this isn't necessarily what I want, because what I want is 
the comic book versions of these characters on the yeah. big screen. Yeah. Can I can I find stuff that I'm interested in? And there was a lot of stuff from that pitch, uh, from his stuff, where I'm like, huh, that does harken back to some of the stupid stuff in Batman Superman, but at least it makes it less stupid because there's a payoff now. Yeah, um, I mean, his, his, is, his Justice League is sort of the deconstructed version of the Justice League. It's like mm-hmm. the Watchmen version of the Justice League or like the Ultimates um, yeah. from you know, Mark Millar's version of the, the uh, Avengers, right? And I lost you. We'll just wait. Babe? I'm still here. Sorry. Hey! You got lost. All right. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so, so, yeah, I was saying, it's, it's sort of like this idea of, you know, if this actually happened in real life, yeah, people wouldn't be excited about Superman. People would be scared of him, right? And Batman probably would have to kill people. And, you know, like, so, I mean, I get what I get what he's going for, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well... It's not what people want to see. People want yeah. to see the Justice League. Yeah. So. It was like through that one, it was interesting. Or uh, there was a documentary um, a number of years ago called um, What Happened to Super... Uh, basically, What Happened to Superman Lives. And mm. Superman Lives, like, of course, most of us in the geek community have heard the story from Kevin Smith and his his stuff writing with John Peters. And then for the longest time, the only leaked image was like a terrible overexposed photo of Nick Cage in an awful looking suit. Um, Yeah. But then the documentary went into what Tim Burton's plans were beyond the limited knowledge Mm -hmm. um, and some of the other stuff. And it's still like, okay, this is, this is weird, but it did show some of the, the promise with it. Yeah. And that's but when we are here to talk about Spider-Man, yes, not Superman. No, no. Well, that's my long-winded <laughs> way of getting there. Okay. It's just the fun of looking at these things and being like, huh. So there have been a number of Spider-Man films that more than even like you, you told me today, some of these, and that I had never heard about. Yeah, and then yeah. I even think I dropped one on you earlier, like the earliest one that none of us knew about, like from the, from the guy who was, did the the sixties cartoon show who had pitched a movie. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, one of the crazy things about all these characters is they've been around for a long time, right? Not Spider-Man hasn't been around as long as Batman has. Um, But one of the things that's sort of made Stan Lee, Stan Lee uh, is he was, he was a, a pitch man. He was a salesman, right? Like he, he wanted to get these characters into the mainstream and on the screens as early as he could. He was always trying to get Hollywood to buy up the rights to these and make movies and cartoons and live action shows. Uh, and so even before any of these sort of serious or maybe not so serious <laughs> ideas for, for Spider-Man movies, I mean, there, there was like the Nicholas Hammond 1970s live action TV show, um, which has a couple TV movies that came out of that, right? Um, fun fact, Nicholas Hammond played one of the Von Trapp children on Sound of Music. <laughs> huh. so, yeah. Anyway, he, um, so, I mean, there's, you know, that show where they'd turn the camera and have them climbing up the wall or, you know, had some crazy, I mean, it was good special effects for what they could do for TV at the time, but they're pretty cheesy now. And then there was the Japanese Sapitaman where he had a giant <laughs> yeah. Transformers robot before there were Transformers robots. Um, 
Like that was the original yep. one, right? The, the the Big Mac. Did you know yep. that show? Like seventy five percent of them have the exact same shot of Leopard on the the big robot throwing his sword at the end to defeat the bad guy. Because after about four episodes, someone stole the suit, so they had to reuse the same footage over and over again. <laughs> I mean, there's just crazy stuff about Spider-Man. I didn't know that. About Spider-Man's history and these kind of screen things. Uh, even before you get into some of these things that we're talking about. Um, but a lot of this comes from, I yeah. think, Stan Lee going out there and saying, I want someone to make a movie of this. Like, who's there? Who wants to do it? Uh, and, these are, and then it just got tied up in legal rights for a long time, so these pitches just never came to anything. But um, yeah, yeah. So, what do you have for uh, yeah the uh, list? Uh, so, uh, before we get into that, I'll just quickly say, dear listener, if uh, you're noticing any audio issues, um, it's just because we're recording on Skype, um, and my internet is not the best. So, if you suddenly hear Steve sounding weird or me sounding weird. It's because it's Skype, and Skype hates me. Um, we'll do what we can, but we really wanted to bring this episode to you. Um, this episode is brought to you by Skype and Tech Savvy. <laughs> Wherever you have, I have one tech of those, savvy. one of those things is better than the other. It's Tech Savvy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what happened uh, to you, so, Skype? You had the whole market on this, and you just fell apart. I know. Um, okay, so I guess the the first one we'll talk about is the one that. Uh, I, I, I sent to you earlier. It's not much, like, really not much is known um, aside from... So, originally, the guy who did the Spider-Man cartoon from the 60s, the one that most people still remember because of the theme. The theme has become iconic, uh, yeah. even when the show has not. Like, the show has... I think it's safe to say it hasn't aged well, Um but not much animation from that time has. Well, is but this the, sorry? Is this Ralph Bakshi that we're talking about? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, he, Go ahead. He he had planned kind of like a jokey musical, um, yeah. but Stanley was like, no, no, like this is <laughs> like flat out said no to it. And then he he paused trying to push for something, but then eventually the one of the most iconic Spider-Man stories, the night that Gwen Stacy died, happened. So. Yeah. He wanted to do a live adaptation of that story. Um, so it would be S- Spider-Man against the Green Goblin. Uh, and this part was the baffling one. Nazis. That's, and that's all that's known. <laughs> it's it's going to be an, ad- an adaptation of The Night That Gwen Stacy Died, but also featuring Nazis. Yeah. Well, Spider-Man's trying yeah. to get the, the Holy Grail from the Nazis. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the only thing I can think of is Indiana Jones was hot at the time. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you know do you know who this was, the, who was front-running this? Was it Ralph Bakshi? Yeah, yeah, it was. Because okay. um, he did the second and third season of the Spider-Man cartoon with somebody else in the first the first season. Um, so I was wondering. I forget oh, that actually, thing, it was uh, filmmaker Steve Krantz. Okay. Yeah. Um. And with the musical idea, he was mentioning he was wanting uh, Elton John and Mick Jagger as stars. I mean, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> well, that's one of those where when Elton John played Gwen Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's one of those where, and we're going to come to it when we get to another entry on this list, where it's uh, 
one of those so weird I'm interested <laughs> kind yeah. of things where you're like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So next up, um, there was an idea for uh, a Spider-Man movie in the eighties. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to. So there was there was one that Roger Corman and Stan yes. Lee worked on together, and Stan Lee was actually the scriptwriter for it. Um, and I'm trying to remember exactly how that came together, but um, Roger Corman was the one who went on to go went on to do the terrible '90s Fantastic Four movie that never got released. Yeah, uh, and he was working with um, with Stan Lee on this. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So. Uh, the interesting fact about Roger Corman is like he is known and respected um, or at least was at the time uh, for being able to do films on an incredibly low budget, like still somehow making them work. Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four aside. Uh, (laughs) Well, that was, that was a a stunt to just keep the the right. They never forgot to go out. So, so here's the, what, here's what Stan Lee wanted according to Looper. Um, I read that one earlier. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to have a big budget spectacular with a big like the climax would be a fight between Doctor Octopus and Spider Man on top of the United Nations building, um, and would include several love interests for Peter Parker, including Mary Jane and a Russian KGB agent. <laughs> so I guess Silver Sable. Um. <laughs> yeah, I guess basically, but she hadn't been inv- invented yet. She wouldn't be around for a lot. Yeah. Well, no, in the eighties, I guess she would have been, but not by Stan Lee. And so it also would have featured. Um, uh, there would have been a looming pro- plot where Spidey would uh, stop nuclear war with Russia. So yeah, instead as, of as Rocky do. solving the Cold War, Spidey would. <laughs> yes, exactly. It would have changed the plot of Rocky IV. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have needed that fight with the Russian. <laughs> Apollo Creed wouldn't have needed to die. <laughs> That's uh, This is one of those ones where I'm looking at this and it, it seems very much like a, a product of its time, but sure. the thing is with a lot of these, as, as you learn about them, I'm still kind of like, you know what? Why not do an animated of this? Just why not just throw it out there? As, especially because Marvel doesn't do enough uh, yeah. on the animation front. Um, DC has that, has that market under like lock and barrel basically. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but Marvel's got enough stuff, and you've got abandoned movies that are just ripe for it. And you can even see with DC how you can have some successes with that, with even some of the obscure stuff. Like there was two Adam West uh, Batman movies, animated ones sure. that are just so odd, but yeah. have a charm. Where it's just like, why not? And th- this one I'd watch so much it'd be like i'd watch so fast it'd be a lot of fun mm-hmm. um i can't say that for an upcoming movie uh but the next one the next one is uh a very different take on spider-man so yeah. it was also in the 80s um there was going to be a spider-man horror movie yeah so uh, that's the, that's the thing about these movie studios that just know that an intellectual property can make them some money, right? The Canon yeah. Studios picks up the license, and uh, and they want to take the general concept of a Spider-Man and just do something completely different with it, right? Yeah. So 
you know, again, this is according to Looper. We have uh, Tobe Hooper, who is the director of Tex Texas Chainsaw Massacre, was <laughs> one that they were approaching. And they wanted to do a horror-influenced influ adaptation. I'm just reading this off the page. In which Spider-Man would have been transformed by someone named Dr. Zork into a human-spider hybrid complete with eight limbs and battle against Dr. Zork's other creations rather than joining it, joining them. So, I mean, that's just like a full-out, yeah, Twilight Zone... <laughs> ridiculous and and so here's here's what's interesting about this there are horror versions of spider-man out there right so you've probably heard of the the spider-verse movie it was based loosely on a comic uh called spider-verse in which sort of every version of spider-man that ever existed comes together to fight this big battle but before they started that series um they had a, a, a limited series called are you still there? Yep. You hear everything I just said? Yep. Okay. Before, um, so before <laughs> they did the series Spider-Verse, they had a, a limited series called The Edge of the Spider-Verse where they introduced a whole bunch of new characters. So Spider-Gwen was introduced in there. And there's one of those issues where it's just literally horror, horror Peter Parker who gets bit by a spider and gets turned into a monster and he eats people. Um, and Uncle, I think he has Uncle... It's not Uncle Ben, it's like Uncle Ted or something like that, who's like abusive and like, you know, just this whole thing. So, I mean, there are... Because they there can't are versions sully of Ben. <laughs> they, they, they can't sully Uncle Ben. They'll yeah. kill him repeatedly, but yeah. they'll never paint him in a bad light. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's versions of... I mean, this this concept of the character is very versatile, right? That's part of the reason that it's so it works so well, is that you can do so many different versions of it. Not that I'm saying this movie should be made, but there are versions that are more horror-themed that, that yeah. are interesting. Well, heck, even the uh, the 90s Spider-Man show, there was the one episode that you could almost look at as borderline horror where he became the man-spider, right? Sure. Um, so there, there's a little bit of room for that. The weirdest thing out of the whole pitch is Zork. That's just, that's just a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, um, I'm weirdly more on board with the rest, but I'm like, you lose me at Zork. It um, sounds like the kind of movie that you would watch as a kid in the middle of the night when you had cable, right? And he's like, what's on TV? <laughs> you ended up at like Turner Classic Movies with like their random sci-fi movies from the 50s. <laughs> right. And the other thing of note is just how cheap, now at the time probably expensive, but how cheap the Spider-Man rights were. Yeah. $225,000. That's nothing. I mean, that's I a lot that. for us. Yeah. <laughs> for I mean, studios... I, like, I take a loan out and <laughs> buy that. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, if for studios, that's that's bread money. That's nothing. Yeah, like, that's, that's your craft services. Exactly. Or probably um, not even. Where it's just like, how much is Sony getting for it now? That That's the part that stands out. Yeah. Um, well, and so so they didn't they didn't obviously go with that version of it, and before they gave up, they actually Canon went with a different version of it as well, right? So they had a more mm -hmm. much more regular sounding version of it. Uh, that was Spider Man in college fighting Doctor Octopus, um, and it had you know the Uncle Ben death scene and all that kind of stuff like that. And there's actually a teaser trailer for that that you can find on YouTube. Uh, I got yeah. it. I, I I saw it, and it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. What I think what's most interesting about that is that they were looking at Tom Cruise for Peter Parker back in the late 80s, early 90s when he was young and doing Jerry Maguire and things like that. 
there's so many interesting casting ideas where you're like, huh. And yeah. I don't know if I can picture Tom Cruise as Spider-Man. No, uh, I don't think it would have been a good fit at all. But Although, actually, it's weird that he hasn't been cast as The Flash, just because he runs an awful lot. <laughs> He's got that part down. <laughs> just so, typecast. Just, you need somebody to run. You get either David Tennant or, like, anybody who's played a recent doctor, because they run all the time in that show, or Tom Cruise, because give that man an excuse to run for, like, a long time in a movie, and he'll do it. Uh, all right, so next up is, honestly, to me, this is the worst movie on this list um, of unmade ones. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, it's, uh, so we're in the 90s now. And director that's always, James... That's always a bad sign for, for Spider-Man. <laughs> if you're in the 90s, unless you're reading Spectacular and the death of Harry Osborne, everything's going to be bad. Just nothing's going to be good. Um, I, I'll mostly agree, but I still enjoy no, Carnage there are Maximum things. Carnage. I, mean, but, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Well, Maximum Carnage is like... It's fun. It's fun it's not fluff. good. <laughs> it's very 90s. Yeah. It's not the clone saga. We, we've still got to do our episode about uh, comics in the 90s. We'll figure that out. We'll figure it out um, so, yeah, director James Cameron, uh, who used to be most famous for uh, incredible action films such as Aliens, Terminator 1, The Outstanding Terminator 2, The Underrated True Lies, um, Lesser famous for Piranha 2. Um, oh, and, really? oh, yeah, he did that. That was like his first directorial effort. And he made a joke about it being like, it's the best movie about flying piranhas you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> and, of course, for the outstanding film Titanic, um, and most known Avatar. now for bad movies about blue blue alien people and bad versions of Pocahontas in space. I mean, stunning <laughs> movies, but not... not visually stunning yeah. just not not good um <laughs> so at one point james cameron was going to do a spider-man movie um and it's actually why we couldn't get certain characters in the animated spider-man show it's why yeah. the green goblin couldn't show up till the third season yeah, um, and, electro he was too. and electro couldn't show up till the yeah. fifth season and why they never had sandman they introduced hydro man instead <laughs> Yeah, uh, because there was going to be stuff in these characters were going to be in the in the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> if they had Sandman instead of Hydra Man, then Mary Jane could never have evaporated, and I wouldn't have been crushed as a child. <laughs> it's true. She would have just turned to she. It might have been the original dusting. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrific. Oh man, but oh, so good. <laughs> like yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. Still hurt a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, dude. Show made you care. Um, so uh, there's hallmarks of a, a Cameron film, like a high budget. And I enjoyed Cameron's films at the time. Um, T2 is one of the best action movies of all time. And I'm curious about his, his take yeah. on superheroes, but and, as and you yet, read about this, the problem with it is while T2 is, is an intense and good action movie. It's not, you don't want that as Spider-Man, right? It's violent. It's yeah. gory. It's a lot of swearing. Yeah. And it sounds like this is sort of where he is going with Spider-Man too. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, this isn't Spider-Man. 
like yeah. the character like Kane Parker you you could maybe do this with like if you wanted like a Scarlet Spider movie the Kane Parker version okay that kind of lines up with this movie <laughs> but that wasn't Spider-Man at the time heck that wasn't Scarlet Spider at the time yeah. um yeah so this would have been R rated uh the movie would have had Spider-Man facing off against Electro uh but he also wanted it to be R rated uh littered with profanity had a scene where uh Peter and Mary Jane have sex on the Brooklyn Bridge while, while talking, talking about, about go ahead Spider-Man uh, or not Spider-Man a uh, spider mating practices does that what? mean he gets eaten at the end well if she's a black <laughs> widow yeah oh with Mary <laughs> Jane not black widow that's good <laughs> uh one thing that did stick around from this pitch to the eventual first Spider-Man movie done by Sam Raimi was he was going to have organic web shooters. Um, there was also going to involve Sandman. Um, at points, uh, he wanted um, Leonardo DiCaprio in the role. He had him eyed for both Harry Osborn and uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, which Leo at the time would have made sense. He was in his heartthrob days. Um, and Leo's a terrific actor. Um, you didn't know it necessarily at the time because he was in his heartthrob face. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And at, like some other pitches, this is the one where I'm like, I, I everything about this movie, because it's, it's just so not Spider-Man, I don't want. Yeah. But this is where we also get to one of those things where I'm like, that's so odd that color me interested uh, coming off of T2. There was the idea of Edward Furlong uh, as, <laughs> as Peter Parker, but much more interestingly, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Octopus. Yep. <laughs> I love it. It's so terrible, but I love it. <laughs> I just picturing all I can picture is is Doctor Octopus with sunglasses and a leather jacket. He's <laughs> like hasta la vista, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like Arnie brings a an energy and a different kind of thing to his roles. But or like, or 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 he's just making terrible octopus puns all the way through. Like, <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, I, so you know how many tickles it takes to tickle a, an octopus? <laughs> Ten tickles. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm actually legit curious about what Arnie would bring to a comic book movie when not being directed um, by Joel Schumacher. And, and it, it's not to knock Schumacher, because... Uh, he like when you watch the DVDs of the Batman legacy set, you see all the stuff around it. And then like we explored in the Batman unmade, he yeah. did have plans to take things in a darker direction. Um, but there's footage that's from, it's not a very high bar though. <laughs> true. True. But some of the, like, or learning about some of the stuff that he had for Batman forever, you're yeah. just kind of like, huh, there was some good there. It just didn't make it to the screen. But that was also pressure from the studio, pressure from toy companies. And then the attitude on set was like, we're making a cartoon, people. Like, I'm curious what Arnie would have done under a different director. 
Um, so yeah, but it this is one of those where I'm like, I hate most of this, but yeah. <laughs> if you give me a version of it, like, yeah, especially coming off the Lego Batman movie where they included sure. so many old stuff where it's like Billy D. Williams voice Two Face mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing, I'm like, you know what? I'd be I'd be interested. And, um, and I mean, the Spider Verse movies are a good place to do that kind of thing because that's the whole idea is they're seeing all these different versions of Spider Man, right? And and there's so many easter eggs that are packed into that first movie um yeah so yeah um so next up well before before we get there um so just before we get to this next thing where the you know we start to get into the the period where movies are actually being made of Mm spider-man um there was this weird thing where somehow both mgm and columbia had the rights to spider-man movies at the same time (laughs) And they, and that was why nothing happened for a long time is because they were disputing who had the rights to this. Right. And do you know how they, uh, they resolved it, Chris? No. Did they flip a coin? No. Well, that's never going to happen with these big studios because both (laughs) MGM and owned another franchise as well, or were fighting over the rights of 007 as well. Right. So they traded, they, they, uh, Columbia gave up 007 and, and MGM gave up Spider-Man and then they were able to kind of resolve that because because Columbia made those weird like Casino Royale and the other movies that not the, not the one with um that came out you know in the past 20 years or whatever but uh, yeah yeah but yeah. like a like a silly one and you know they, they had their own kind of branch of uh, and they they went back and made one with um, Sean Connery again I think too right a long time yes. later and, yeah that one that one's actually got uh a pretty good fan reception within the bond community yeah. um so, bonds a different uh, i'd love to do a bond one with you at some point that'd be fun uh, yeah yeah that, that'd be good but so and that that's the weird little piece of trivia of how this all kind of got resolved right. before we get into the, the set the part where columbia sonia has all the the rights but anyway go ahead uh so next up we're we're jumping forward about let's say 17 years um to this is I'd say the most well-known and by most in the fan community, the most desired of the, the abandoned Spider-Man movies. We're at Sam Raimi's Spider-Man four. Well, no, we're not yet. Oh, there's one ooh. before that. There's, ooh. there's uh, I mean, this, this never got beyond a pitch, but before uh, Columbia went to Sam Raimi, they went to Edward Fincher. Uh, oh, D- to, David Fincher. Sorry, David Fincher. Yeah. Right. Know, oh, yes. This one. Um, this one I bought. Yeah, and so they and they actually came to him again after they got rid of the Sam Raimi before they went to Mark Webb, uh, and both times he said he like he just pitched himself out of the job because they didn't want what he had. So right. uh, according to Looper, according to what I read in this article, right, he uh, he talks about how he pitched a movie where they didn't go into the origin again or didn't go into the origin at all because nobody wanted to see that. They basically summed it up in a music video at the beginning, which. <laughs> I'm not sure where that idea comes from, but the idea of kind of skipping over and giving a recap is is good. That's sort of what they did in Spider-Verse is what they did at the beginning of The Incredible Hulk, too. Well, his, uh, his background is also, like, before Alien 3, uh, most of his directing work was music videos. Um, uh, okay. So then also, I'm imagine like, I doubt it's a music video, but probably a montage, but, like, to an opening yeah. credits. Sure. It's It's to the tune of Raindrops Keep Falling on Your Head. <laughs> cool yeah uh, so that, that never yeah. went anywhere and besides that it was just a very oh i mean yeah it was it was, it was uh green goblin kind of getting into the psychological elements of 
what it was like to lose the people that you love and and those kind of things. Sort of a deep, dark, twisty one sounds like. Which that one I'm I'm crazy interested in. Um, like starting a movie off the bat with um, the night that Gwen Stacy died, which is like he was going to do the music video thing and then launch into that. Um, that's a bleak way to start a movie. Yeah. Music video crash cut into Gwen Stacy's <laughs> next nap. <laughs> like. Uh, but then also him saying, uh, yeah, focusing on the psychology of the character and, and direct quote, the idea of being a teenager, uh, the notion of this moment in time when you're so vulnerable, yet completely invulnerable. That's, that's really, really interesting to me. Um, this is one where I'd be like, please give us an animated adaptation of this. Like. It's interesting how one of the things I love about comic book characters is how many different facets and different ways we can approach them. Uh, It's like with other characters as well. Like you can look at Bond, like some just want the the suave spy. Some want the sillier, lighter stuff that you got in the war era with the with the gadgets. And you're just like, it doesn't have to be an either or. It can be a both and. Um Batman as well. Like you can enjoy the 66 show uh, or the 66 run on the comics or those animated movies while still liking the dark and gritty Batman. Um, And with Spider-Man, even though he's not dark and gritty, he has so much tragedy that he could lend himself to it in smaller or isolated doses. And that's where I'm like, this would be so interesting. And and the best Spider-Man stories, the ones that, people generally agree are the ones that everyone loves dark and gritty so like craven's last hunt is a psychological dark twisty story right i also Spider-Man mentioned rain i mean come on <laughs> i wouldn't put that up there as one of the best stories ever i know, um, I know. <laughs> but uh attempt of making a dark knight version of of uh spider-man <clears throat> anyway um but there, i mentioned earlier the death of of harry osborne as well right mm-hmm. um also written by the same the same writer uh, J.M. DeMatteis uh, is my favorite Spider-Man story. The the whole arc running leading up to that where Harry Osborn just starts to lose it and it's mm-hmm. just super tense and awful. Um, yeah, I mean you can do and and it has been done well dark gritty Spider-Man stories. They often think about the the light you know Spider-Man yeah. Spider-Man action is his reward kind of Spider-Man. But they're, they're, I mean Gwen Stacy's death, Uncle Ben's death, is, he's an orphan. I mean. Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin and dying. Uh, the like all this luck. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff is, it's yeah, it's tragic. That's yeah. that's and if you read that first that early run of Spider-Man comics by uh, Lee and Ditko, I mean he's not a nice guy. He, no. he's constantly just going off at people, and every once in a while considering ah, maybe I should just be a villain. Like people really didn't like that about the first amazing Spider-Man by Mark Webb, but that's, that's just Ditko comics. Like he's like, oh, I could probably just make more money for Aunt May if I just robbed something. Yeah. They all think I'm a bad guy anyway. Right. So that comes up in the comics. Well, they also uh, had that in uh like shades of that in spectacular Spider-Man. The TV show. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I appreciated that a lot where he's not always, he's not like a big red and blue boy scout. Um, he does do the right thing most of the time, but there's shades to this character, even sure. without the symbiote. Um, oh, so help me. I hate that Venom movie for symbiote so much. 
So the other weird, the other weird thing about this, this is the part where I'm just like, I, I, this is the only part where I'm like, I don't know about this. Is Fincher reportedly wanted Edward Norton in the role, um, mm. which makes it does make sense for the take he's doing. Um, and the article is right to point out, like it might be strange because he was in this, he was thirty years old. But McGuire was nearly 30 when he played Spider-Man. It's just yeah. more so when you think Edward Norton, you don't immediately think Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, he he did make sense as a Bruce Banner for me, especially if yeah. they're doing a slightly more like tortured take on the character. Yeah. Um, then he does. You can Peter do a Parker. take where he doesn't know that he's Spider-Man and Spider-Man's always <laughs> played by Brad Pitt. <laughs> Steve, I think we're making this movie. Um, (laughs) All right, so then we are jumping back to the one I mistakenly jumped to. Uh, The most well-known and most desired Spider-Man movie that was never made, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4. Um, Which, I gotta say, as I read through it, like, it's it's well-known, it's documented. I'm not, I'm just, I wasn't a fan of the Raimi Spider-Man films, of any of them. Um, And I was fine with the reboot, because Spider-Man 3 was what it was, and I didn't love what came before it. Um, But as I I read through this, it's not like I'd be, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm in. Uh, Because it was also three prior movies that I didn't like. And Sam Raimi himself was like, if this was going to be anything less than great, like, I shouldn't make this movie. It, Sony didn't sack him. It was a mutual decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I got to say, there are kind of some interesting aspects to it. Where I mean, it who would like, want to see John Malkovich as the vulture? That's, <laughs> that sounds well, awesome. Like, that, that part, I'm like, yo, that, that's kind of good actually that's that's a cool casting before we get to michael keaton being a goblin vulture hybrid but also that terrifying performance where you're afraid he's going to murder a 13 year old in a limo we would have lost that um so 15 but yeah yeah (laughs) you get what i mean a child yeah Yeah. um well and, and then finally also getting to see i forget the actor's name who plays dr connor's see him as the lizard that was going to be in there as well right uh the lizard was planned um so it looked like the main idea for it was going to be uh the vulture um and black cat but black cat would have quickly become like the voltress um of course because why not they they, well uh, apparently the concern was she would be seen as too much of a ripoff of catwoman um but these characters have coexisted in visual mediums for ages. And yeah. also like, it's like Catwoman is a lot more popular. Like she's, she's more well-known than, than black cat. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing about it is um, I have to look at the history of it, but I've heard from some of the Spider-Man creators saying that though black cat came first, the idea of her being a criminal who's really a love interest. And there's kind of that tension there that was black cat. And then Catwoman matched, huh. matched her afterwards. So I don't know. I think that's true, but that's what I've heard. Uh, Like these companies have been ripped, you can say ripping off or taking inspiration from each other for as long as they've been around. Uh, Fantastic Four and later Avengers was directly inspired by the Justice League. Uh, Heck, it was a mandate because of the Justice League. Yeah. 
Like, and then of course you get into the ripoff characters, like direct ripoff characters. Like Deadpool. Uh, yeah, but he became his own character and a very different one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or Lobo um, from Wolverine and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is some stuff from here where I'm like, you know what, that kind of would have been uh, would have been interesting. Um, and I believe, oh wait, no, because she was Gwen Stacy. I was like, oh, Bryce Dallas Howard, but no. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she's already in it. Yeah, no, she was she, too busy on uh, being a model for photocopiers. <laughs> Such a bad movie. Um, yeah. All right, so the next one up is uh, <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man Three. Can I can I correct you again? Sure, please. So there there was actually a plan for a Venom movie with Topher Grace. Oh right, that right. never went anywhere. I mean, it, it's sort of the an, analogous to the. Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman movie that turned into the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Right. Uh, but it's the, you know, the Topher Grace Venom movie that eventually became the Tom Hardy Venom movie. But it's just after Spider-Man 3, they just completely threw it out, right? It was just sort of like, a, yeah. yeah, we'll probably go there, but they didn't. So, so I'll, I'll say, like, I'm not enough that I'd want to, like, want to see it or want it to be an animated movie or anything, but because the Venom movie itself was not good. Um <laughs> was what it was and an R rating would have helped that it really would have um because <laughs> then anyways uh, i enjoyed the venom movie I, I i agree it's not great but i was like well that was that was more fun than it was good but i i had fun watching it it, it, it is it's more fun than it is good um it's just also like at one point they were really like well early into production they were leaning on it was going to be r-rated and then yeah. somewhere along the way, they're like, okay, we're going to do it PG-13. And then you can see where it would have been R-rated. I'm like, okay, at least the promise of ridiculous symbiote carnage. Not buy carnage. It. Oh, my gosh. Drove me insane. <laughs> uh, every single time. I was like, oh. Um, but at least then, like that, like getting that level of ridiculous violence, like it, and it would have been fun. It would have distracted me from some of the other, like just really bad stuff. Yeah. But then it's like, oh man, we're getting a room of terrible, just not. It, yeah, no. Uh, there, there's some stuff that I liked, and then others not so much. Um, I mean, there's obviously parts of it that are better than others. Like Tom Hardy just killed it. Like he. Oh yeah. Sitting yeah. in the lobster tank and eating the raw chicken and going crazy, he was amazing. <laughs> and then there's the weird makeout scene with the yeah, venom. like like, like what? Yeah. what? Ah. It, so ah. it was ah. like I think the ah. best review when you shared it with me, the best review title was like this is uh, a 2000s comic book movie in 2018 or 2019, whatever yeah. year it came out. Um, yeah. And it was very accurate. But then also in thinking about it, because before the movie came out, I revisited. Um, some of Venom's comics from the nineties, like the lethal protector miniseries mm-hmm. and all that. And it was not necessarily the best adaptation of the stories, but the spirit of it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they, they cranked a lot in there. Uh, lady Venom showing up, the, yep. all that. I'm like, okay, you know what? It, it, it did get some of it. Um, I mean, that's true for the Wolverine Origins movie too, right? Like the the problem Ugh. with that movie wasn't that they didn't Everything. stick to the resource material; it just, <laughs> they tried to stick to all the resource material all at the same time. And it, what's the problem with X Men Origins Wolverine? It, it's easier to start with what isn't the problem. Yeah, that's, true. that's a much shorter list. At least they got uh, Deadpool right in it. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but kidding. so I'm, I'll say that <coughs> a lot of people did, but I didn't hate the casting of Topher Grace. Um, the direction he got, I wasn't necessarily a fan of, but it was again like that was ult- ultimate Eddie Brock like on on the screen. That's what we were getting. Um, and Topher Grace can like I find can be a really good actor. Like most of the time, you you get the snarky Eric Foreman kind of stuff, but he does have a bit of range. Um, the church scene, which doesn't make any sense, his performance Wait, was good. In Thomas that. Hayden Church or the scene where they're in the church. The scene where he's like, uh, uh, where Eddie Brock is praying to God, like, I want you oh, to yeah. kill Peter Parker. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, but his performance in the scene is good. Uh, mm-hmm. So where they've got the idea of him as kind of a likable um, Venom, like in a solar movie, that I, I, I can get behind on paper. In execution, especially after what we saw in Spider-Man 3, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. on paper, I'm like, that's, a, that's an all right idea. Um, and it probably wouldn't have been that different from what we got with Tom Hardy, just a not necess- a, a different, but uh, not as good performance, um, or mm. just a very different performance. And of course, there was the long rumored Jim Carrey as Carnage uh, floating around in that era. Which <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> I don't think Jim Carrey would have would do it now, uh, yeah. but Jim Carrey at the time, I'm like, huh, that's that's interesting. Because especially at the time, he was still like, you knew him from Liar Liar and stuff, but he was also Ace doing... Ventura, yeah. But he was also doing intense thriller movies, like the number 23, which is terrible and stupid, but his performance was good. Okay. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. Jim Carrey as Cletus Cassidy? Color me interested. Yeah. Um, all right, so then, I, am I correct in saying we're now at... the Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the next <laughs> one is the uh the canceled amazing spider-man 3 on on a uh on what culture they have the page list its subtitle is resurrection Mm -hmm. so thoughts sir i mean yeah from what i've seen about it the the basic idea was that he was going to resurrect you know figure out a way to resurrect gwen stacy and her dad, you know, as most high school teenagers would be able to do. Um, <laughs> and then she was going to become Spider-Gwen, I think was also in there. And like, just got, you know, go into, I mean, there was, have you seen the deleted scene from the end of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Where, where his dad, dad shows up? Dad shows up, right? So I'm sure that would have played into it. Um, I don't know if they would have eventually put Mary Jane in there too, because Shailene Woodley had shot all those scenes where she was supposed to be Mary Jane. Um, I I mean, the thing about the, one of the things about the Amazing Spider-Man movies is that there was so much that got cut out of the movie, both of them, the first movie and the second movie, the first movie, like it feels like pieces pieces of the movie are missing, Mm -hmm. like just plot threads just get dropped or show up out of nowhere because there's whole scenes that got cut out of it, right? So, um, I have to assume that there were pieces like that that they had prepared for what was coming next that they had left out i mean they still had that whole scene with the sinister six stuff at the end that they were kind of trying to set things up yeah. but um yeah who knows how how that would have gone like i'll be honest i don't hate this it's, no it's weird like it's it's really weird but this is one where i'd be like if you make this as an animated movie 
I'm definitely checking it out. I'm watching it so quick because yeah. it's one of those things where I'd be like, you know what? I could buy this take on Spider-Man being very like in this movie. He's very, very sciencey. Um, he's just lost the love of his life and it, it like Uncle Ben died. That hit him. Uh, Gwen's dad died and he feels responsible. That hit him. Gwen died and they did it in the way where it could be his fault. Like mm-hmm. a grief stricken Peter Parker trying to bring back <laughs> people that he's lost. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the execution, especially because of the the issues that were going on with Sony at the time, um, and like trying to force in like a Spider-Verse out of Amazing Spider-Man 2, like how that would have impacted 3. Um, we can also say like there was a planned Amazing Spider-Man 4. I have no idea what the details were. I don't know if any got leaked. Um, yeah. But it, it was planned at one point. They they did one, and then they were like, "All right, we're doing three more." They didn't even yeah. do like the trilogy. They banked on a quadrilogy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of the reason that I'd like to see this movie made, like because it just feels like they didn't finish the story. Right? Yeah. Like, there's more to it that's supposed to happen. Um, and I, like, it's probably just I'd like to see it once and then forget about it because I didn't like <laughs> Major Spider-Man Two is my least favorite of the Spider-Man movies. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh. Also, also, if you're like the idea is potentially setting up a Spider Gwen movie, like as a spinoff, I'm down. I like the Spider Gwen sure. character. Uh, I loved Emma's uh, Emma Stone's version sure. of Gwen Stacy. So yeah. it's like, yeah, why not? Uh, it's the other. Like, it, you need everything to be landing accordingly because this is a weird story. Mm-hmm. The other the other piece of it probably is that Felicity Jones was in it as a secretary at right. uh, at Oscorp and she was Felicia Hardy, you know, setting her up to play the black cat later on. So um it was like you wouldn't have known that she was Felicia Hardy if they hadn't told you that she was Felicia Hardy because there was nothing to the character at all. Um but yeah, as a as something that was supposed to pay off later on too. So Yeah. That what that one is out of the abandoned ones, one of them just under the Fincher one, I'd say if I'm ranking them out of ones where I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm crazy yeah. interested in that, like comic book form or whatever. Uh, fan yeah. ad- fans, we're doing a lot of, a lot of fan adaptations and stuff that got abandoned. That's not for profit. Somebody jump on this because I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. Okay, so I think we're just into the random spinoffs now. Yes, so like Silver and Black, uh, Venom, but that eventually got made. Mm-hmm. And Sinister Six, uh, Glass Ceiling's kind of in there as well. So I feel like Sinister Six is the movie that ruined all the Spider-Man movies because they yeah. were so desperate to set that up that they just shoehorned stuff in. Like <laughs> Paul Giamatti as a rhino in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> And the random Probably guy. Probably the weirdest tell- casting. Oh, so strange. Ever. <laughs> and uh, was it uh, the guy with the bowler hat that kept appearing and could, like, you know, knew more about what was going on with Oscorp or whatever? Right. Play into that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, 
that movie's probably still coming somewhere down well, the line. I was going to yeah. say, it seems like Sony hasn't given up on that. Like, when you look at uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, there was a lot of people who have been on that Sinister Six roster in yeah. that movie. And the tale, like, I think it's the end credits where he's uh, vultures in jail, visited by people. Mm-hmm. It, Sony, st- uh, uh, the Screen Rant article links, uh, <laughs> name drops Amy Pascal, like one of the producers, as someone who's still very high on that idea. Yeah. So well, so I mean, if that one comes. The the original Sinister Six, the only one, the only two that we've seen in the MCU who are part of the original Sinister Six are Electro, or sorry, um, yeah, but uh, Vulture and Mysterio. Also, can we can we talk about it? It's it's going to be Jamie Foxx again. Yeah, yeah. He said he's not going to be blue this time. So well, that's, that's something. That's something. So he's not Ultimate Electro. <laughs> yes. Well, a terrible version of Ultimate Electro. Um, I, have, I have a theory about this, that that Sony is really leaning heavy into the Spider-Verse thing uh, yeah. and, and kind of showing that these universes all have similarities. So J.K. Simmons is back, we've already seen, and now Jamie Foxx is coming back. Um, and and my, my theory is that they're going to do their own spin-off movies that can now have Peter Parker in them. Right. And say maybe it's in the MCU, maybe it's in a different universe, it's the same. And and that kind of frees the MCU to be able to say they're not their stuff isn't part of us, um, but they can still use Peter Parker. They can still use Tom Holland in all of them. Right. So that's that's my that's my nerdy theory about how this is all going down. But uh well earlier I think late last year and early this year, there was a uh, a rumor or maybe fan fueled or whatever, but it seemed to be building up where there was a lot of speculation online of Sony wanting to do kind of a live action Spider-Verse and that it would include Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. But then also like as a way to set up like, Hey, there's all these three have existed. They do exist just in different universes. That one, if it gains traction, color me interested sure i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of the toby spider-man but i'm still i i'd, I'd still be curious um, yeah i also kind of wonder how much we're going to get into the weeds of that in the doctor strange movie that's coming out the multiverse of madness right I, yeah i feel like they're not going to bog their movie down with hey look at all these cool easter eggs but like if they can do them cleverly i don't see why they wouldn't right i mean they could even you know, use like they could vet, they could visit the MCU. They could, or, sorry, the uh, X Men Fox universe. They could visit, you know, the Netflix <laughs> universe. They could establish that, you know, these things happen in a different universe. But actually, you know, Charlie Charlie Cox also exists in Daredevil in this universe. Like, so you don't take away from one without you know saying it's all part of the same thing. I still want uh, a Daredevil movie directed by Ben Affleck starring Charlie Cox. Um, just give you me that. that I did, and I stand by. Like, it. so, yeah. It'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> I want a Daredevil movie directed by Charlie Cox, starring Ben Affleck. Also, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I want a Daredevil verse movie with both of them. 
and I, feel I want like to see ben, Jennifer Garner and Elda Young fight as Elektra. I, and I feel like Ben Affleck would just have fun ripping, ripping Daredevil to shreds as Daredevil. He can play uh, the, he can play the overweight loser Daredevil. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, just back to quickly on the multiverse of madness. I still think my theory is that's going to be how we're going to introduce the mutants to the MCU. To me, that makes the most sense. Like, just a reverse M day. Um, yeah. I can't wait for for Wandavision to come out and learn more about what's going on with that, and and then she's going to be so in, weird, and I love yeah. it. <laughs> she's going to be in the Multiverse of Madness, right? So, I mean, yeah. you could do like an anti No More Mutants thing, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah anyway, more mutants. Exactly, and apparently, uh, I still don't know if it's official, but um, what's his name? Uh, I got, and I talked about it with Hector earlier. Um, the dude from Star Wars, Poe Dameron, the actor, Oscar Isaac. Oscar uh, Isaac, yeah. Playing Moon Knight, where I'm like, color me the heck interested. I think he he's was, got, it, Yeah, that was a rumor. I don't think it's... Oh, it's, it's not official? Anything. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he could knock that out of the park, and it gives him a chance to redeem himself with the comic crowd uh, for X-Men Apocalypse, which, yeah. not his fault. Not his fault. <laughs> nope, is not his fault at all. Um, <laughs> So, but the going back to the um, Spider-Man. Sex, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the weird things I heard about that movie was that it was supposed to be not a Spider-Man movie. It's like the Sinister Six are the characters, and Spider-Man shows up. I think I heard like not Peter Parker, but Spider-Man's in it. Um, and so they like he's the villain, right? The boogeyman that they're trying to defeat. But <laughs> but it's about it's not about Peter Parker. Yeah. It's not about his perspective. It's it's their perspective. So, uh, I mean, I I don't know like. At this point, do they just use the Scorpion and the the Shocker? And um, I mean, the Shocker is so underpowered in this movie. These movies compared to everyone else, I don't know how they do that. But the Vulture and I don't know Morbius. Like they've had the crossover with Morbius and and uh, with Michael Keaton showing up in that trailer. They they could put Venom in it. I I don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna do. Um, well, like because that's not the original Sinister Six, right? The original Sinister Six would be Doctor Octopus, Craven. Um, Electro, Mysterio, Vulture, and I forget. I'm, I'm blanking right now. Sandman, Sandman. Oh, there we go. Um, or they so, could do the Insidious Six from the '90s cartoon and have whoever the Rhino and Shocker and whoever else they have on there. Sinister, because <laughs> weird censorship issues. Um, <laughs> like, so as you as you describe that. Um, I don't actually hate that idea necessarily. Like it's one of those on paper. I'm like that. That's kind of doable. They. I don't know if you saw it, but DC in their their straight to DVD adaptations, they did Assault on Arkham, which took place in the Arkhamverse. Okay. Um, but it was mostly a Suicide Squad movie, mm-hmm. and Batman was a peripheral character. Like he showed up. He was re- he was much more involved in the third act, but almost like you could you could say the the boogeyman um mm-hmm. like it's the suicide squad they were going in for other reasons yeah but batman would show up periodically like as the one of the threats looming over them i'm like i like that adapt i like that movie a lot you could do it it, it could yeah. work so it's, i mean that's that's one of those where i'm like i hate what you did to amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man movies in general by trying to overstuff everything. But that's the fun of this series where you're like, okay, let's 
acknowledge the criticisms, but still see in this one, I'm like, you know what? On paper, this is kind of a cool idea. Yeah. I, I do kind of like what DC's done, although their execution has been bad, of just saying, you know what? We don't have to set this up. Let's just throw these characters in a movie and yeah. do it, right? It doesn't need to all be connected. Like, if you want to do uh, an Ocean's 11, Ocean's 6, you know, Oct- Oct- Octavius is 6, uh, and just do a fun <laughs> heist movie with the Sinister Six with Spider-Man in the background, like, I'm in for that movie. Yeah. I would totally watch that movie. And and you can make it serious or you can make it more more goofy. Like, there was a series that was uh, going for a while, a comic series called The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, done by Nick Spencer, who's writing Amazing Spider-Man right now. And it was just um, ridiculous. Like, it was just, like, implausibly dumb all the way through it. And it was this these five characters, uh, Boomerang, Shocker, the new Beetle, who's Tombstone's daughter, um, Speed Demon, and... Uh, overdrive who can turn anything into any kind of vehicle into like a supercharged vehicle that's his that he has like nanite powers so like, he kidnaps a school bus full of children and turns it into a war machine and drives away like that kind of thing right stupid like the most ridiculous b-list villains d-list villains ever and it was them trying to be the sinister six, even though even generous it's definitely yeah. like d or lower <laughs> yeah so they they decide that they're the sinister six even though there's only five of them they don't have a they can't find a sixth person to be part of it and it's just like <laughs> It's so it's so funny and so ridiculous, and at the end of it, you find out it's just so Boomerang just keeps throwing them all under the bus and like screwing over his team because he's just out for himself. And by the end, they all hate him. And the very last scene of the series is him sitting down at a bar talking to Peter Parker, telling the story. So you don't know if any of it's true. Like it's just the whole thing has just been him telling this story, and it's just it's so so well done. So a, a movie like that, I like it'd be funny. It'd be good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It can be a good movie without having to be like, you know, cinema, you know, or, well, or... exactly. We live in a a, a post Fast Five world, dude. <laughs> like is that that's... is that the line in the sand, Fast Five? Well, in a weird way for me, that's that's the one. Like that's the series where I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna embrace enjoying like ridiculous, over the top things because yeah. it was like around that time you also got Expendables one and two, which are their own kind of over the top absurdity and just be like, just unapologetically do this and enjoy it. There's room yeah. for it. It doesn't have to be high art as high art at, as comic book movies or big blockbuster movies can be. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you can do this. Like, let's just have fun with these sometimes. Yeah. Like um, the dark Knight was one of the worst things that ever happened to comic book movies because everything tried to be the dark Knight for a while, but <laughs> well, yeah, no, exactly. And not every character lends themselves to that. It was um, also the best thing that happened to comic book movies because before that, no one had taken them seriously, right? So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the yeah. Scats 22. Um, just like the MCU is one of the best and worst things to happen to film because it opened the shared universe Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's trying to do it in outside of the MonsterVerse, not really working so well. Um, <laughs> so. The mon- like the, the NBC MonsterVerse? No, no, no. The the uh the monster versus uh legendaries Godzilla and King Kong movies. Oh, that one. I thought you meant like the Dracula Invisible Man no, mummy. No, that, that was dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work at all. <laughs> um so yeah, there was back to Spider-Man. We had these planned spin-offs. Um uh, one that up and I'd say up until recently there was it hadn't been officially canceled was Silver and Black. Which was going to be, to me, it's just weird. Um, because it's a Silver Sable and Black Cat movie. And 
I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, just two sexy femme fatales that have colors in their name. So they're like, we could put them together. <laughs> Whereas a lesser known spinoff, I'm trying to get it on the Looper article, was Glass Ceiling. Yeah, um, it sounds like it sounds like Silver and Black is a paring down of the concept of Glass yeah. Ceiling. But Glass Ceiling, where it's um, all that's known about it was it would have featured a variety of female Spider-Man characters teaming up, including Black Hat, Silver Sable, uh, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, and Silk. Although nearly not much detail has been released. Mm -hmm. But when I read that, I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of interested in that. Like, I dig... I'm curious about which Spider-Girl they would have gone with, just because I think the best Spider-Girl... Which which Spider-Woman? There's... (laughs) Well, I, I imagine Jessica Drew. Um, and then with Spider-Girl, I'm like, the most well-known and best Spider-Girl is Mayday Parker. Mayday um, Parker. So then how would they have how would they have done that? Uh, and well, I'd that's like, the thing. That's the I thing. like the if character you have... Silk. Her weird introduction aside, yeah. um, I really like the character Silk, uh, for, especially in her solo series. So with some of these, I'm like, I like all these characters. If you can do a good story... I'm down on paper. Why not? Just like uh, after Avengers, there was brief talk. I have no idea where it's at, but there was rumored of the A-Force movie, which for uh, listeners, if you don't know, in the comics, A-Force was like a women's only Avenger team. And it's like, hey, why not? Honestly, you can. You've got the story. You've done the story before. And if you can do it well, why not? Uh, so with this, it's just kind of like I'm, I'm interested in the loose concept of this. Yeah. Uh, is the title is, is the title is there's like a phrase about like smashing the glass ceiling and like exactly. getting, getting ahead or something like that. I think it, it is a nod to that, but it's also I think you can do those kind of nods in the right kind of way. Like sure. you can have those girl power stuff without it trying to alienate or stuff. You're talking about Ghostbusters, aren't you? Uh, loosely, I'm <laughs> skirting around it. Uh, yeah, because when <clears throat> the directors are going out being like, if you're saying negative stuff about this movie, you're sexist. You're alienating a bunch of people and valid criticism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, there were <laughs> idiot sexists who did stuff about those movies. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. Um, this is yeah. This is one where I'm like, huh? I'm color me interested. Uh, what were some of the other ones? Craven. Yes. So that I don't know anything about this one. So basically, all I've heard about this, and I think this is still in the works, um, is uh, they were planning on doing Craven's Last Hunt, which seems like you need to have Craven established before you you do that. But maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you do it differently, and it's just a different kind of story of this guy who just shows up out of the out of nowhere and tries to kill Spider Man and then takes his place. Kind but, of like uh, Ultimate Spider-Man a little sorry? bit. Shades of Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, in Ultimate Spider-Man, Craven ends up just being a reality TV star with no powers, and Spider-Man takes him out with one punch, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> until he eventually gets gets powers. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Craven's whole thing is he's always been trying to hunt Spider-Man, right? But then Craven's last hunt goes into the again J.M. DeMatteis, very psychological, deep, gritty. Uh, he yeah. eventually he originally meant it as a Batman story, but they wouldn't let him kill off any of Batman's villains. They wanted it as a Joker <laughs> story, I think. Um, but it's this idea that 
Craven is just so depressed that he hasn't done anything with his life that he wants to commit suicide. Uh, and you don't find that out till the end, but he captures Spider-Man by like eating spiders and, and doing, he always takes like, you know, elixirs that he learned from witch doctors in Africa kind of thing to give him his powers. Uh, and he kind of takes on the essence of the spider as a hunter and captures Spider-Man, drugs him, buries him alive, uh, and then takes his place and just brutalizes people uh, dressed up as Spider-Man for a while. And part of what makes the story work is it's the very next thing that happens after Spider-Man and Mary Jane get married. So they get married, they go on their honeymoon, they come back, and he just goes missing. Uh, and so Mary Jane's like flipping out in this yeah. story. Uh, and then Spider-Man ha- wakes up in a coffin and has to crawl his way out from under the ground. And uh, and then they fight and then Craven kills himself. Yeah. Um, so it's this really dark, uh, psychological, scary story that I'm not sure it's where you want to start with Craven. But if you don't start there, Craven's kind of dumb. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's whenever you whenever I've brought up Craven's last hunt to people, like people yeah. look at Craven almost as a joke. Yeah. And it Craven is one of those characters who exists well in the comic medium and the animated medium. He's di- I think he's difficult to do a translation to on the big screen. Yeah. And then Craven, also Craven the, like, is a character that started off weird and then they gave him laser nipples and then it's like what what are you doing? So in Dicko's, he was just he wore the the lion thing and the loincloth, and then when <laughs> after Dicko left, Stan Lee and John Romita did some stories where he had like laser beams that shot out of the eyes on his lion's mane thing here, and they just like they shot out of his chest. There's there's a famous uh, laser uh, Dead, Deadpool story where Deadpool goes back into time to that issue and poses as Spider Man, and he just makes fun of everything that's going on. <laughs> in the story. Uh, that. There was a Deadpool run where the intro to each issue would be Spider uh, Deadpool going back in time to someone else's issue. Like one made had Deadpool ripping on the Demon in the Ark, uh, Demon in the Bottle storyline, oh, yeah. where he dresses up as Iron Man and he's getting drunk while <laughs> flying around as Iron Man. Yeah, um, yeah. Craven is an interesting character to do, and also the reality is, as good of a story as Craven's Last Hunt is. I don't know if they do that adaptation. Yeah. Um, like the MCU, even though, yeah, they'll they'll <clears throat> kill characters off, especially in like Endgame and uh, Infinity War. This is also a different level, uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did some changes. But Craven, if they're, I think you, there was a fan rumor from Spider-Man: uh, Home Alone Two: Lost in Europe. Where the bus driver, like people are like, that guy's Craven, um, or something like that. He does so look like Craven, yeah. If if you wanted Craven set up, you set him up in the Sinister Six, um, and you just have him be one of the more prominent roles, and maybe have him show up in supporting roles and other stuff. You can't just throw him on the big screen right away, but yeah, I think that guy's going to turn out to be Chameleon if he should, if he's anything. Um, I think his name is Dimitri, even in the in the movie. Um, who's so Chameleon is Craven's half brother or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, he does. Or he did look the, like Craven uh, in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. He was Red Skull's son. Who was Chameleon or Electro? I thought I thought, I thought Electro was because Electro, Electro was, comes in. He's been fighting with brother? Captain America 
in that stasis for yeah. however many years. So I think but it's wasn't Electro. Ele- wasn't Chameleon his brother or something? I don't think so, because Chameleon shows up way earlier, right? And he poses as Nick Fury, but he's got the eye patch in the wrong eye. Uh, but then they and, bring him back, and I'll just have to rewatch the show on Disney+. Plus. So yeah, woe to. is me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, also, the one that I had no idea about <laughs> was rumored. Yeah. Aunt and this May. Is, yeah, the Aunt May movie, <laughs> which I think was just a, a, a rumor. Like, did, uh, Sony has come out and just said, no, we were never going to do that. Uh, and when and the, was it rumored? The rumor was that it was Aunt May in her younger years. So obviously not Marissa Tomei because she's already young. I guess she's like 50, though. Uh, anyway, as a spy, uh, her, her days as a spy <laughs> in her younger years. Now, the reason that that has some credibility is because if you know the story of Peter Parker's parents in the comics, they right. were spies, right, before right. they died. They, they were killed by the Red Skull. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man Annual number five uh, tells the backstory that they were double agents and they were undercover with the Red Skull in Tunisia or something like that. And then the Red Skull found out and killed them. Um, they were kind of doing some stuff along those lines in Amazing Spider-Man. Like, yeah, was heavy Amazing duty Spider-Man, stuff. it was more like science. It was more, yeah. more along, along the lines of the ultimate Spider-Man stuff where they right. were scientists. Right. That got killed by evil corporation and Oscorp in this, this right. uh, in those in that uh, case, but yeah. Um, so the other thing that came out that people were talking about in in relationship to this movie is there's a really 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 bad comic that came out in the 2000s called Trouble, uh, and I'm I can't believe you never heard of this. So this was Marvel trying something different, trying to get into the YA. Uh, CW type um, <laughs> field, uh, and it was written by Mark Millar, and I think drawn by Terry Dodson. Maybe I could be wrong with that. Uh, and it basically is the story of um, these two brothers, Ben and Richard Parker, and their hijinks and their girlfriends, May and Mary. Uh, and in the course <laughs> of the movie or in the, of the series, I Richard. Parker cheats on no somebody cheats on somebody and, and I think it's implied that yeah I think it's Richard and May have get pregnant with Peter so Peter's actually May's and so it, and it was kind of like at the time being like it's up to you is this canon or isn't it canon and it's just like trashy and stupid and uh, and like <laughs> much more of Aunt May than you ever wanted to see and just just not yeah so like there was that whole kind of like when this rumor came up people were like uh oh is it going to be trouble and uh, it's largely panned and forgotten about um, but, uh, yeah so that's that's that Aunt May rumor that Sony has just said no that's not what we were going to do whereas but, now uh, you could just do a rom-com with her and Happy Hogan and that's a halfway yeah. decent idea, and I'd yeah. kind of be in. Um, <laughs> so, there is one more. What is uh, there? Yes, there is. Um, not much is known about it, but it is, it, it's almost like the one more me and Mike talked about. Uh, and in that one, it was, what was Ben Affleck's solo Batman going to be? And then th- for this, it's, what was the MCU-less Spider-Man 3? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, not much is really known about that. Like, I don't think they've shared many details. Um, 
Do you do you think they actually had a plan for it, or was that all just posturing to get more money? I think if push came to shove, they would have. Like I, when you look at the deal, like you could argue, and we we did an episode on it. Like maybe Marvel pushed too hard, or Disney pushed too hard, yeah. or too much. Um, but Sony ain't gonna let this thing go. Like they're they're just not. They're, yeah. It's one of, if not their biggest franchise. They're not gonna let the these rights go. So yeah. they would. What do they like, have? Yeah. Like Jumanji, probably is the only other. Jumanji, thing. yeah, and that yeah. that success is surprised everybody. And I they have, I think they have Bond now, because uh, MGM went bankrupt. Oh um, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why, uh, The Hobbit took so long to come out, and there was a long gap between Bond movies. Mm. Um, so I think I could be wrong about Sony owning it, but I think Sony owns Bond now. Okay. But Spider-Man is came like, full circle. Yeah. So like Spider-Man is their cash cow. So they would have done it. Um, yeah. And in a weird way, like I'm don't get me wrong. I'm beyond thrilled that Spider-Man is back in the MCU and we'll see if it lasts beyond this movie. Mm-hmm. As long as the relationship is financially mutually beneficial, it, I have no doubt that it'll keep going. But Sony clearly has plans for the other characters uh, that they own the rights to because they own the rights to the Spider-Man characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the idea of Spider-Man on the run is what they're going with, his identity is public now. So unless they come up with a way to figure out like how they're going to just shoot that down, like towards the beginning of the movie, a Spider-Man without the rest of the MCU characters lends itself to that story the most. Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's one of those like, Hey, could you do uh, Marvel's doing their what if show? Can you do this? Can you go with like some of the stuff? Cause I'm really curious about this one. Um, I don't think they had any story in mind because it was so early in the production of Spider-Man. It was like it was like a month after the Spider-Man Two came out. Exactly. Coming. So. Or far from home. I'm, I I am curious to see what it was. Um, but Tom Holland, like, there's a quote here from Tom Holland, where he's like, "The future of Spider-Man is still very bright with Sony. We had a really really wonderful idea of how we could sort of transition." into sp- into a spider-man without the mcu like that's all this known so holland was behind the idea but that also could be tom holland just doing pr um, yeah i i think it probably like it definitely is at least that because that's part of the reason that andrew garfield got fired right is because he was he yeah. was openly upset about amazing spider-man 2 yeah he and, was critical like, yeah and he's talked about how how heartbreaking that process was for him because he loved the the character and it ended up not being good movies because of the studio interference. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe he's being honest too, but I, I would, I just don't believe. Yeah. Like, I don't believe. Him. <laughs> well, <laughs> even if, even if not much was known, he could have, like when you're reading that statement at face value, he could, it could be a genuine, like I'm interested. I'm curious. Like I'm not doom and glooming this. Like yeah. I'm still going to be this character and I'm excited to see where we're going to go. It yeah. could just be like, hey, I'm not out of a job, and I love playing this character. Um, but this is one where I'm just like, 
I, I am curious about what they would have done because this version of Spider-Man is so ingrained with the MCU mm-hmm. that to suddenly remove him, like you could do the story where not having access to any of the other characters makes sense. But for one story, like you can't rip this guy from this universe. Period. Like for a single yeah. story. Sure. But for ongoing purposes, the MCU is ingrained in him. Yeah. But I, I can't deny this is one where I'd be like, yeah, do a what if or an animated if if there were enough ideas, I'm I'm legit just curious what it would have been. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, there's always all these movies that haven't been made yet, right? Like the whatever yeah. this Spider-Man three is going to be, and then the next Spider Verse movies, and all the Venom left to be Carnage and Morbius and all those other ones. But um, uh, if if the Venom movie with Carnage isn't rated R. Like that's I. It's just one of those. I don't get it. I. He's just gonna. He's gonna go around and try and suck people's souls into a into a jar to feed them. <laughs> that's how they avoid the blood. Like to me, the only thing like if, if you're going with Cletus Cassidy Carnage, then if you're doing him properly, it's an R rating. Like yeah. if the only authentic PG thirteen Carnage you could do is ultimate carnage where it's not a person but it literally drains like <laughs> the yeah, yeah. life force out of people and then they're husks you can do that in a pg-13 but that but wasn't a very good it. version of carnage like it wasn't but it's one that yeah. could work in a pg-13 sure, sure. <laughs> like a guy with axe hands like cutting through people who's a yeah. mass murderer yeah. this is an r rating like <laughs> all right so Steve, any final thoughts? Are there any other any of these that you are more interested in or excited by than others where you'd be like, yeah, I want that one? Or are I mean, there somewhere just like, I'm glad this never saw the light of day? Uh, I like where we are with Spider-Man, but yeah. I remember being frustrated we didn't get the Spider-Man 4. I remember being frustrated we didn't get Amazing Spider-Man 3. Uh, I mean, not really because I like Spider-Man in the MCU. That's awesome. That's better. Yeah. Least, you know, I give up on Sony. But, like, yeah, that sense of this isn't a completed story and that there's more place, things that they've been planning for. Um, I mean, those really early versions were, which probably wouldn't have been great anyway, because of just really it wasn't until the 2000s when the technology for the special effects was really catching up to doing these movies well, right? Like, you can do Batman in the 80s because he doesn't do the kind of things that Spider Man does, right? Right. Um, uh, but. Like though, yeah, those early early pitches of I I've always wanted to see basically the the night Gwen Stacy died recreated in a good movie, yeah. right? Like to get to get Mary Jane's character right, where she's this flaky girl who has commitment issues, who's changed by that. Like there's a scene at the end of the story uh, of um, when Gwen Stacy dies when she's trying to cheer Peter up in her flaky way and he's just not having it. Yeah. Tells her to get out of here and she just stays. She closes the door and stays with him. And that's how this, this, the episode issue ends. And like that, those kind of character moments are really big and poignant and, and, you know, Harry with his dad. I mean, you kind of got pretty good Harry stuff in the, and I think in the, the, uh, Raimi movies with, um, the way he reacted to his dad. Um, but, 
yeah, I just I'd love to see. I had this vision of what a, a like the typical the the ultimate Spider-Man movie would be uh, that I haven't seen yet. Though I have liked a lot of the things that have come out, um, and I feel like maybe one of those earlier movies might have been more like the David Fincher one might have been more along the lines of that. But yeah, who knows? I, I we, might have, we might have gotten Doctor Zork too. So <laughs> the rest is all right, but Zork. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I I think out of all the ones, the one I'm most interested in is that uh, whoops, is that uh, San, uh sorry that uh, David Fincher one, um, top to bottom, just because Fincher's uh, Fincher does Fincher movies, and I think Spider Man could work within that framework, and it could be crazy interesting. Um, he did Alien Three. He did Alien Three, and he disavowed well, it because that was studio interference galore. Sure. Um, at some point, I'm going to do an Alien Unmade uh, episode, and I honestly might do. Alien 3 might get its own episode within that because of how many different versions of Alien 3 there were okay. before it eventually came. Um, what, what other movies did David Venture do? I'm not familiar with him. Uh, one of his most recent ones that stands out a lot is Gone Baby. Uh, is it Gone Baby Gone? The one with... Uh, uh, Starred Ben Affleck, um, or Gone Girl, Gone Girl, um, horrifying movie, like okay. terrifically acted. But so, I, at one point, someone I I knew, uh, he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm taking my my girlfriend on a date. We're we're gonna go see a movie." I'm like, "Oh, what movie?" And he's like, "We're gonna go see Gone Girl." I'm like, "Don't do it. Not a date movie. Don't do it." Because um, it's all about these two terrible people in the uh, the spoilers. The, the guy's wife, uh, after she finds out he's cheating on her, like he she she fakes her death. She sets him up for for frames him for murder and start. And she kills a bunch of other people. It's okay. a psychological thriller. So terrifically made, but I don't need to go to it again. Right down uh, Spider-Man's alley. <laughs> but he, you can see where some of the stuff could sure. could translate yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah, there, cool. there's some along here. The only one that I'm vehemently against is uh, outside of the caveat of Edward Furlong and especially Arnie as Doc Ock is the James Cameron Spider-Man one. Like as much as I don't, I didn't enjoy the Sam Raimi ones. I don't hate the ideas of of Spider-Man Four, um, his Spider-Man Four, the Amazing Spider-Man Three one. I'm crazy curious about. Like that, that could be a lot of fun. So that's what I really enjoy about this, uh, like this subseries, is finding all these things that you didn't know, or you're sure. like, huh? Like I'll slight as much as I can separate my fanboy brand from it, and just be like, that's interesting. Like even even though it's not what it should be, mm-hmm. that could still be a lot of fun. Um, so thank you. You did a lot of the work on this one. Like I sent you articles, but then you had specific breakdown ones, and then I learned about ones that I didn't even know about. So Steve, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, dear listener, I think that uh, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode of Unmade. Uh, I don't know when the ec- next episode will drop, but coming up on this uh, this subseries, we're going to look at Star Wars, which will be a fun way to explore the sequel trilogy that never was, because um, <laughs> it's not what we got. Um, in either of its incarnations, because there was plans for it way back in the 70s. And then 
Lucas has revealed some of the stuff he was planning about doing it recently because he did make pitches to Disney. Uh, we will also look at Star Trek movies that didn't get made. Um, I already mentioned Alien. I love this subseries because there's so many fun things to look at. And there's going to be a lot of bad movies to talk about. And in the fun way where I get to talk about them where I don't hate every single second about it. So, <laughs> cool. You should do an episode that's unmade episodes of this episode. <laughs> unmade, unmade episodes? Things that we're not talking about. The things that we could have uh, talked about this, and that would be fun. Could have talked about I this, and that would be fun. I eventually could do uh, unmade uh, one cross uh, one cross radio episodes because I've got several where I got through it or I got part way through it. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, screw this episode. It's coming in bad. Or while I was away, I recorded an episode, and afterwards I was just like, that was just 30 minutes of me rambling. Like, not even good rambling. Like, gone. It's deleted. It's not seeing the light of day. So. <laughs> Maybe eventually. <laughs> for, for someone who does a pretty rambly podcast, that must have been really rambly. <laughs> <laughs> it was. My idea of it was like, this will be five minutes, 35 minutes. I'm like, why? No, just gone. So, okay. yeah. All right. Well, and of course, also Godzilla, Gamera, other ones like these long franchises that have existed forever. You said have... Bond as well. Oh, yeah, Bond, because there, there's several unmade Bond ones. And, Steve, just a plug to the listeners, I don't know when we'll get around to them, but there's episodes you and I have to do. Uh, I know at one point we were planning on doing uh, either a 90s comic book one, uh, but we could also narrow that down a bit to look at Marvel 90s comics, or particularly Spider-Man ones. Um, yeah, that just involves <laughs> some research. That yeah, yeah, I that... We'll, we both got to do homework for that. Yeah. Um, but the 90s is such a cre- uh, crazy time in comics in general. So oh, yeah. Just even outside of Spider-Man. I think it'd probably be easier to do a broad one rather than the, the minutia of one comic. But Deal. Yeah. Deal. If we ever want to do a clone saga one, we could. Um, I, have that. I have, I mean, if you're watching all those comics there, <laughs> the clone saga, I have them yet. <laughs> I'm working my way through Spider-Man right now. It's, it's, uh. A long, slow process. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we'll do Bond. And then at some point, I'd love to do another Ask a Pastor with you, sir. So Yeah, for sure. Stay tuned for those, dear listener. And Steve, off camera, we'll figure out we'll figure out a time. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's always wonderful. Um, and dear listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of One Cross Radio. want to shout out our patrons, uh, Bex and Nathan. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for contributing the coffee that fuels me. And yeah, thank you for being patrons and supporting the show. Listener, if you want to check out our Patreon, we got a couple tiers. Hit us up at patreon.com slash onecrossradio. Uh, we post memes, behind the scenes stuff, and sometimes just pictures of Luna because Luna is amazing. <laughs> and all that being said, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy and God bless my friends. Take care. See ya. Peace.